What's happened? You look so sad. Hello and welcome to the Grand What. The Grand What. It's a good start. The Grand What. Hello and welcome to the Oncast Grand Rewatch. My name is Dom. That's one half of the Oncast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. So we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots. We understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to provide a weekly retrospective on some of the biggest franchises in cinema history, giving you a full spoiler rundown of each film in a series, including plot summaries, analysis and behind-the-scenes trivia. In the second episode of our John Wick rewatch, we are, predictably, watching John Wick Chapter 2. Yep. John Wick, he's back. He came yeah. back for more. They got more budget this time, can you tell? I hadn't noticed. Had you not? No. Didn't have that sequel money. No. Didn't have that sequel money shoved in your face That's immediately. Sweet, sweet sequel cash. Like, I think that the opening shot, or the opening, like, little bike car chase. Well, anything prior to the title card appearing, which is like 14 minutes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure cost more than the first movie. Probably, just in the, just in the sheer number of cars they wreck, which I know upsets you because those are well, some amazing cars. And yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. But um, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, they came back for another one. They obviously found they had a hit on their hands. Yep. Um, and like word of mouth and all the rest of it, and it was just proof that it's it's good really because it's a proof that a film with a very limited marketing budget and a very you know small potential, I guess can blow up and become a big franchise if yeah. enough people talk about it and enough people watch it. Yeah, where it's a low-budget, pretty much independent film yeah. that sort of blew up to be this gargantuan... And now here we are, we we're about to get a trilogy of it. And it's just purely on the basis of people watching it and it being good as well, that's the thing. Yeah. Because a lot of people will complain that, you know, just it's superhero fatigue or whatever's going on in the current trends of movies at the moment. But when a gem comes along, mm-hmm. we love it. And if we love it enough, they may, they give us more. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did here. Um, we'll get into the ins and outs of it. But before we do, do you want to give us a rundown about the slightly more complicated plot of John Wick 2? Yeah. So... <laughs> to put it mildly. It's not quite <coughs> as streamlined as John Wick 1, is it? No. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's still a revenge film. Kind of. But it's got some more layers. Yes. I think, yeah... The, the, the big thing to bear in mind about this one as well, I guess, is that they wrote this one and made this one with the intention of making them three. Yeah. So, because they, you know, that's the, I guess that is the sort of double-edged sword of this stuff, is that, like, like I've just, I literally just said, it's great that they made more because they responded to the fact that we mm-hmm. enjoyed it. But they then immediately went into the sequelitis thing of, right, we've got to make it a trilogy, we've got to make two more. Can't just make one Well, more apparently it was already all, always written as a trilogy. Really? Yeah. I find that dubious. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, apparently, it was always written for a trilogy, which is why you never saw The Return of the Car in one. Because they wanted to leave a leaf. But that's the only thing they left hanging. Yeah. But the first one was very much what it could be one and done. Mm-hmm. And no one would question it. There wouldn't be people going, that's, oh, yeah. no, what about the car? Like, they wouldn't... Yeah. And, that, well, that's the thing. And you're like, well, I was. So I was like, well, what the fuck are you gonna, where's his car? Well, you know, he's got a Chevelle now, but where's the Mustang? So, yeah, okay. Anyway, sorry, I've diverted straight away. You yeah. can give us the rundown about what happens in John Wick 2. Yeah. So, John Wick Chapter 2 opens subtly with a motorcycle and car chase through the New York City street. John flattens the rider and then heads off. A brief reintroductory scene shows Peter Stormare being very afraid of John and John killing many, many people in a kung fu car battle. 
The scene ends with John saying something cool, which I can't remember. Back home, John presumably retires again because he buries his guns and things. And there's now a totally not suspicious Italian man at the door. They talk suspiciously about suspicious things, including a mysterious compact which John declines and by doing so makes suspicious Italian man very cross. Suspicious Italian man leaves and shortly returns (laughs) to burn John's house down. The dog is fine. The other dog is also fine, but is on holiday. John returns to the Continental Hotel after his house burns down and meets with Ian McShane's Winston to locate the Italian man who we now learn is Santino something. Some exposition happens and John is told off because he's dishonoured the mark, which apparently is serious because Ian McShane says it. John leaves the dog with no name with Karen, the concierge of the Continental Hotel, and heads off to the museum for a little look at some paintings and to accept Santino's offer. The offer? Kill Santino's sister. John says, this is not possible. Santino says, this is possible. John then fucks off to Italy to do it. On arrival, he meets with Italian Ian McShane and then proceeds to tool up, visiting a number of experts including the sommelier, played by Peter Bloody Serafinowitz. Using all the goodies that John has picked up on his holiday, he proceeds to leave a trail of murderous intent as he walks through the catacombs of a somewhere. John's target is then presented to the audience and is demonstrated to be a badass. She and John do some talking about something, something, something. She then kills herself and John shoots her in the head anyway. There's a big shootout, which we'll talk about later, and John gets away. Or does he? He doesn't. He has a big old punch-up with Common, and they end up crashing through the window back into the Continental, which means they have to stop fighting and go for a beer together. After this, John confirms the kill with Santino, but all hell continues to break loose, and there's lots of fighting, as a contract is put out on John's head. In this time, John has flown back to New York, and suddenly there's another secret society led by Lawrence Fishburne. John asks for his help to find and get to Santino. Fishburne complies on the proviso that John owes him a favour, and off John goes to do some more murders. Cue an extended gunfight through the new modern art museum in New York, which culminates in an exhibit that screams, we really wanted to put a gunfight in a mirror maze. (laughs) Santino narrowly escapes to the Continental for sanctuary, but John follows. Breaking the first rule of the mysterious murder club, John kills Santino, on continental grounds. The final scene shows John being marked as excommunicado from the mysterious murder club and having to go on the run. Cliffhanger ending. <gasps> Cliffhanger! Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's very much, it's, it's the second part of a trilogy, but I mean, a lot of second parts and trilogies do that, don't they? I mean, you can, I mean, going back even to the Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. they ended it very much on, with the intention of doing a third one. Um, but yeah, this one, they set up some plot threads that I'm hoping they can pay off and give more sort of time to in the next one because some of this stuff is a bit clunky and it yeah. comes out of nowhere. I think basically what happens is the, fir- the first hour I maintain is fucking solid. I think basically everything up until the shootout in the catacombs and the and the fight with Common, mm-hmm. all that stuff is great. Um, there's some great action sequences in there. All the plot makes sense. The guy asking him, he's got right. I gave did you a favor? They link him back to. The impossible task that yep. John was given back, you know, pre the first movie, the reason that he was able to get out in the first place is because he completed this impossible task for um, Vigo, and then they said, right, okay, that's fine. But it turns out he didn't do it on his own. He had some help from this guy. As a result, he owes this guy, and he has to go back. So it's quite good that he links that back in, and then all the stuff in Rome is great, like the tooling up bit. Fucking love that bit, man. I that's exactly that's the perfect way to show so much about this society. Yeah, um, and it's just cool. It's just really cool. There's no other way around. No, it is fucking wicked. And I, I agree. Like up until 
the point that Santino turns on John again. Well, I think it's not so much that. It's, his, his original plan, obviously, was that John would go in, kill his sister, and then as on his way out, he knows there's only one way that he can get out of there. He'll leave a kill squad led by Ruby Rose. Yeah. They'll kill him, and then that will just complete the loop then. Yeah. So it didn't work out that way. And yeah, then he, so he therefore, put, then puts out a hit on he him. He puts out a hit on him, he goes wide, and all hell breaks loose. And that's where the film gets a little bit choppy, to say the least. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, again, it facilitates some good action sequences, and it's like, because of that, we get to see John kill two men with a fucking pencil. Yeah. Which is cool. But it doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of where it is. Like, is it, There's a lot of action sequences happening in very, very well lit and highly populated areas within New York. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make any sense. It's just a bit... It's like, it looks cool. But then the minute you stop to think about it, you go, that's fucking... And every third person seems to be an assassin. Yeah, <laughs> like they're all there's this sequence where everyone, all their phones are going off, and then like there's suddenly there's hundreds of them. All, they're all out there. They're all after him. And again, it's a cool idea, but the minute you think about it, it completely falls apart. Well, that's the thi- that's that's the problem. That's the issue that I have with John Wick too. Is that the action on its own is great. It really really stands on its own two feet. It's really, really visceral. It's really punchy like it was the first time. Um, but they've just forced too much in. And they're like, bit, oh, yeah. and then there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this. The thing that I enjoyed the most about John Wick, the first chapter, yeah. was that it all felt pretty real. Yeah. So it felt like there are these super wealthy gangsters that did this, and there is this mytholo- mythological hitman, and then there is this and then there's this and then there's this but in two it's like every other guy on the street is a hitman yeah and there's no police in this world except for jimmy yeah and everyone yeah and then it's just a case of okay there's there's another secret society now and then there's this and then they can do this and get away with it and where everything was sort of clearly planned all the shots were clearly planned in one and it was like right this is a kill shot for this and this is a kill shot for this there are bullets just wantonly being fired in public in this and it's yeah it's not very secret for a secret society no it's a shame and like but again (coughs) i feel like it sort of finds its feet again towards the end i reckon the last sort of 20 minutes it kind of gets back on track a bit for me i think yeah i think the murder montage of all the different assassins attacking him at the same time yeah and his fight with common I think if basically, second I, fight with I think you could almost if you cut that bit out if you just went if he left um, if he left uh, Rome or went back to New York and immediately instead he goes I know I can't go to the Continental there's only one person I can go to and goes to Lawrence Fishburne and then Lawrence Fishburne then sneaks him through gets him to some, where Santiago's talking about his yeah um, uh, you know so I'm so I'm sorry, my sister's dead, and then all hell breaks loose again. Yeah, that's it. It's just it's a really simple little edit you can make that would tighten the whole thing up. Because um, I feel like yeah, the fact that John uh, that um, Lawrence Fishburne has this other sort of com- underground society, it's not. I mean, we don't know anything about it yet, do we? I guess, but I'm hoping no. that they can. They, they again, it's a seed they've planted for later on. They've made it very clear that he goes, "You owe me." Mm-hmm. You don't want me owing you. 
and then there's like the, at the very end Ian McShane gives him one of those marker things and we know Lawrence Fishburne is in the next one Yeah. so I'm hoping that they, it will make sense like maybe you'll find out more about his group I don't think they're necessarily an entire society like the, like the other lot like the other lot have got a whole infrastructure they've got their own fucking currency I really don't think John I don't think um, Lawrence Fishburne's lot have that necessarily no, but John does mention that he's got eyes on every street corner. Yeah, I think, well, it's just, it's a homeless network. Yeah. Which isn't a completely unique idea. There's been other things that have used that, like the um, Sherlock. Well, Sherlock Holmes yeah. used that. Anyway, that's how he used to get his information. So that idea is like, it's not as, if someone goes, oh yeah, and it also turns out within the same world, there's all the, all the, the homeless people have got a network and they, he uses them as a way of, a purveyor of information. Mm-hmm. Like he, a character like that existing within this world is not that far fetched. No, I don't think. no, not at it's all. It's like again, if you think about it in terms of any sort of big world, I guess they you could quite easily have one like, what do you do? Well, I don't do contracts or anything, but I'm the guy who knows information. I'm a I'm a he's like yeah. a, a hub for information around the city. Yeah, and they, I mean they 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 evidence that with by showing the Samaya in the Continental in Rome, uh, and the tailor and the map guy. Yeah, but that's the thing. I feel like there's... And those are all sort of in with the Continental. Yeah, that's the thing. I think the con- there's like a set of Continental and high- uh, there's the High Table and then with... What, I can't remember what's the name of the society they say. They call it the... What do they call it? Something with the K. Can't remember, mate. No idea. Can't remember. Um, but yeah, like the other thing that strikes me about this is how much will- world building there is. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Yeah, because watching it uh, immediately, having watched the second one, I'm going. There's so much they introduce in this movie mm-hmm. that wasn't there before, and everything about the plot is based around it. Yeah, it's not just oh, there's more. It's like no, no, no. The everything about it is based. Everything about from the beginning to the end of the movie is about this, this society, and the debts that you owe and how that. Was like, I had a marker, like the entire. There's a whole you know hour-long segment that bit you know from the point when Santiago turns up on his front doorstep to you know well more or less the whole thing is because of this marker that he's given which is like mm-hmm. this again it's like a sacred bond that is a unbreakable rule well it's the two rules yeah the two rules are you don't conduct business on continental grounds and if someone gives you a marker they give you a marker but then but it, there are other rules within that I feel there's like you know then there's like the high table who are the high table they're the people who govern the whole thing. I'm like, okay, so are they in charge of all the Continental hotels? I'm like, no, they've got like their own separate like operating system where he, the manager of each hotel is a king unto himself. Mm-hmm. But does he answer to the high table? Like, what's the hierarchy? It's very complicated. Yeah, exactly. Like, they ma- that's, they, that's the problem. They that make I have it very with... complicated very quickly. Whereas before it was it was quite streamlined. I'm like, and it's kind of again, it's it's a sort of having your cake and eat it too because we wanted this. Like we wanted them to give us more about this this secret society. Yeah, and by I, giving us more, they've just raised more questions. And sort of, I think we wanted to know more, but at the same time, we it introduced a bit too much. If you know what I mean, I guess so. so. They is they don't they don't get <clears throat> because they introduce so many different things. They don't get a chance to flash in any one of them out well enough. No, so it just raises questions again. I'm hoping that once you get three comes out 
there won't be too much in the way of extra stuff being added to it. It will just be playing with the pieces that are already set up on the board sort of thing. That's That would be good, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. Like I want it. I want everything to pay off now. I don't want. An, I don't want any more things to be introduced. Mm. I don't want this to happen. And oh, it's now this, and these people have turned up, and these other group have turned up. I don't want that. I want to see this pay off. Mm. And if they do the same thing again and start introducing more and more and more, and they're like, oh, by the way, it's actually going to be a so and so, then I'll be a bit disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, it's now an international contract, and it's now this contract, and it's and it's gone right up, and they've matched it with this. Yeah, I mean, I it makes <coughs> sense. It all makes sense, I guess. There's there's a there's a logic to it all that they haven't quite broken yet. I guess. I mean, the only thing that, like I said, we've talked about the, the logic, it, lo- logical issues of where the hell are the police in this world? Because everyone's <laughs> having just shootouts in, in the middle of. So it's not quite broad daylight, but it may as well be. Well, they're in an excruciatingly brightly lit subway. Subway, full of people. Yeah, and they're just having a shootout, and no yeah. one's and like half the time the the people around don't seem to react to it. No, and um, yeah, so it, but that I think is more of a problem with staging than anything. It's about you've chosen the wrong location for that fight to happen. Yeah, it should have been in an alleyway, mm-hmm. and that solves the problem. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's an easy fix. Um, but I don't think there's anything that breaks the whole world yet. Do you know what I mean? No, it, not really. It does kind of fit together in a in a, although it's a bit of a hodgepodge and they they've thrown loads in there. There's nothing in there that contradicts something else, yeah, or anything like that. It all kind of works. It, yeah, like it does, but it I don't know. Like John Wick felt a lot more plausible than John Wick Two. Oh yeah, and even in some of the action, even though right the action is like. He's amazing for a start. I think there's this some of the shootouts and stuff in this one are fucking unreal. But there is I think the one that I would I sort of take exception to in terms of the shootouts is there's the one in the museum, the first half of that, before he goes into the Hall of Mirrors. Mm-hmm. And there are several moments where you just go, Well, they would have shot him. They had a clear shot on him. Because there were like two guys walking towards him and they there were like there was an open doorway, there was no reason why they wouldn't just shoot him. But they just made it, like, they cut it in such a way that, like, oh, no, he throws his gun at them. And he's quicker at throwing his gun at them than they are at pulling a trigger. And stuff like that. It's yeah. like, it just doesn't... There's some of the staging issues with it. It all looks fucking cool. But I find, in, when you compare it to, like, the nightclub shootout from the first one, mm-hmm. I completely believe everything that happens in that shootout. Yeah. I completely believe that, yeah, he killed that many people in that order... And no one was able to get a good shot on him. Because for another thing, he gets his ass kicked a bit in that fight. Yeah. Whereas in this one, in, in John Wick 2 in particular, he's a bit more of a superhero. Yeah, he gets he's... beaten up a lot, but he just carries on. Like, he gets shot twice at one point. Yeah. Like, point blank range in the stomach. Yeah. And you go, and then he just walks it off. Yeah. And um, then he forgets that he's been shot, like, ten minutes later. No, that, what are you talking about? You, um, Lawrence Fishburne patched him up, didn't he? He woke up. He had a he had a drip in him. Yeah. And he and he looked down. And someone had patched him up. Yeah. Everything's fine. It's fine now. Yeah. He was wearing Kevlar. Assume that everything he's covered in Kevlar. Well, it's that, that's toe. another thing that I have an issue with. It's like the bulletproof suit. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I think didn't he have there was a bulletproof suit was in the first one though, wasn't it? No, I was, I'm sure it was because he got shot. He got shot in that in nightclub shootout and he hit the ground. Well, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. They showed him putting it on in the in the what, tall underneath the suit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, 
And well, that's... Well, well, that's the thing. Inherently, I don't think there's that much difference in, say, a bulletproof suit and a bulletproof vest. It's like... Well, one's a bullet... One's real. What? Bulletproof vests are real. What are you talking about? Bulletproof suits are not real. No, but there's a guy Potter in um, in New York. No. Mel- Melvin Potter. He he does he makes them for the Kingpin. No. It, you stitch it between the fabric and the lining. It's a well-known thing, Tom. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's continue to sew mm-hmm. through something that can't be shot through. What are you talking about? <laughs> they they <laughs> place it between they the sew, sew it. No, no, That's, no, 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 no. He no. says we stitch it between the linings. No, they. What they mean by that is they open up, put the thing in, and then stitch it closed again. They don't stitch the actual plate itself. Well, does it just flop down? Because they showed it was fabric. They didn't. They did. It was. It was flexible. This is the problem that I have with it. This is the exact problem. Is there's no logic to how this works. The logic is, it's really fucking cool to have a bulletproof suit. Exactly, and, and looks... that's and that's the thing. And it's just like that's out of all of this stuff. The reason I enjoy John Wick so much is because this seemed plausible. Yeah. It seemed plausible that there's this hotel, this really exclusive hotel where this criminal underworld works from, and yeah, there's this urban legend of this hitman killer, uh, Baba Yaga. Yeah, and then in two, it adds all this extra mythology and then adds a bulletproof suit and you're like it's a superhero thing now yeah which kind of ruined it not well not ruined it but it kind of disappointed the way that I looked at it the first time yeah I guess so because it is it is a big step further yeah it's a big it's a leap yeah they don't don't ramp up to it they just go all out straight away I get what you're saying Um, because in in one you thought John's going to get hurt. This is going to happen. This is going to happen, and you really worried when you saw him fall or when someone would shoot at him. Yeah. The only thing you worry about now is: is he either going to get shot in the head, or is he not going to be able to pull his suit across in time? Yeah. Well, again, I guess that's what's what should again. I'm, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Again, a lot of it, I'm I'm pinning my hopes on the third one. Yeah. Which hasn't come out yet, but I'm like, because the. The scenario they've set up for the third one is that everything's closed off to him now. Mm-hmm. So what this, like in hindsight, once we get the full trilogy, what this might be is a case of going right. Well, in a world where he has everything at his disposal, yeah, all the services that come with being part of the Continental thing, yeah, like the, the he goes and gets his guns, he goes and get right here's a layout of the building, all that stuff. He's not going to get any of that. I feel like what's going to happen now is he's going to go. The only place he can go is back to Lawrence Fishburne's lot and, and Halle Berry. Halle Berry's around. She's the thing. But I feel like he's on the outside now. Mm-hmm. And that's where it could get interesting. Whereas like, I, he's not going to be able to go and get himself another bulletproof suit. Or get himself tooled up with all the right... Well, he might be able to get get himself some guns. But I don't think he's going to have nearly the resources that he had in this one. No. In hindsight, if we get we end up with the full trilogy, they go, right, well, two was the one where he had everything at, you know that he could possibly want. And then three was like when he went on the outside. It's kind of a li- it reminds me a little bit of like um, Iron Man three. Yeah. In Iron Man three, the conceit is they blow up his house, they take away all his stuff. Can he make it on his own? Yeah. And it'll be cool to see if they could do that with John Wick, and go. Yeah. Again, I'm projecting what I want the third one to be, but mm-hmm. we don't know that yet. But well, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I mean, it, the performances are a bit less in this. I think it's. 
partly to do with the writing of it. It's less personal. Yeah. It's not. But also, we haven't got Willem Dafoe. Yeah, that's true. We've got Ian McShane, who's better in this Ian because McShane's he's in it for his, more. Yeah, get and the same with um, Lance Redneck. Although I don't think he's probably in it for more. To be fair to him, um, but he's great. Yeah, the returning cast are great. Although, yeah. and again, I, you say that we don't have Willem Dafoe, but we do have Lawrence Fishburne. We do, which kind of immediately op- irritated me. Why? That's uh, just I just found him really grating in this. Why? I don't know. You literally sat there and said, "I love Lawrence Fishburne." I do lo- love Lawrence Fishburne. I don't love the character that he's playing in this. Why? He's I just cra- found him really grating. Because well, he's playing against type, I guess. He's yeah. Do- he's not playing the the because he goes. I think what he probably thought to himself, I guess, is that he's he sat there opposite Keanu Reeves and he goes, "The last thing I want to do." Is invoke any sort of comparison to the Morpheus. Morpheus. Yeah. So I've got to make him as much as completely different as I possibly can. And he does. Yeah. And I think he works really well. I like it. He's eccentric. He's a little bit weird. He's got this sort of. He does still feel dangerous. Like he could just go, you know what? Fuck you, John. And just like go, I'm taking my seven million. Yeah. He finds that fine line. I th- I liked him. I thought he was really good. Yeah. I just find, I don't know. And that's the thing. It's the same when I first saw it. I just found him really grating. And I don't know if it's because I always have this situation of seeing Lawrence Fishburne in these really sort of stoic roles. Yeah. Well, that's why I lo- that's why I loved it because you ass- you the minute you see Lawrence Fishburne, you assume you know exactly what you're about to get, and then he doesn't do that. Yeah, he he plays against it, and I'm like, I love this. He should do this more. Like, yeah. like I'm, that's what I liked about it. It subverted my expectation of yeah. what like say what you will about Willem Dafoe in the in one. But he played a Willem Dafoe type. Yeah. He didn't do anything that you no, wouldn't of expect not. of Willem Dafoe. Whereas Lawrence Fishburne went, I'm not going to do what, you, what everyone's thinking I'm going to do. Mm. I'm going to have fun with this. And like, I get it. And I understand. And I understand why you would do it. And I understand why people would like it. it I just found it really <laughs> grating. Okay. I'll tell you what, I, the other thing that occurred to me watching it this time, I don't know why I hadn't thought of it before I made that connection. I think he would have been great given that kind of performance is a kind of a similar character I think he would have been great as um, Saul Guerrero in Rogue One yeah instead of Forrest Whitaker yeah I feel like that the idea of the leader of the ragtag group who's lost his marbles a little bit and he and he could do a bit of that intensity as well we know he can do that he's Lawrence yeah. Fishburne whereas I think like in Predators yeah but I feel like um, yeah Forrest Whitaker in that was he kind of didn't know quite what to do. And yeah, he did a weird voice, and he kind of just like I feel like yeah, Lawrence Fishburne might have fit that better. Um, yeah, and it's a shame that we saw so little of him in that as well. Yeah, because that's partly to do with all the reshoots and shit. Wasn't yeah, it? because I mean, like his hair changed and all kinds of weird shit went on with Rogue One. But that's another that's a completely different story. That's something else we'll cover later in the year. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, John Wick Two, like I say, that it's it has got these issues. Mm-hmm. Still really enjoyable. I mean, when I first watched it, I was just I was along for the ride, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the more you think about it, the more you pick it apart, the more the holes start to appear. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say you shouldn't watch it. If you enjoyed the first one, you'll yeah. enjoy. This oh yeah, one. yeah, exactly. Like, and that's I mean? the thing. It's not like it said, oh, it's, oh, it's shit. They they shouldn't have made a sequel. Absolutely not. No, this is still a really good film. It's still really enjoyable, and it's still really fun. Don't examine it too much. Is no. my sort of. And it still has its unique, it has its John Wickness. Do you know what I mean? It hasn't sort of lost its soul. Yeah. I think it was still, it feels like a sequel to the original. Yeah, I'm looking forward to three uh, because I want to see all of 
like we were saying, I want to see this pay off in three. Yeah. Not just the world building, but the John story. Like, where are we going with this? Yeah. Like, John's on the run. Yeah. He can only be on the run for so long because apparently everybody in Central Park is part of this. Yeah, you that's know. silly. I get, I get, like, they they keep, they, they can't quite, quite, they can't quite get the right mix of cool versus silly. Yeah. It's like, that's really cool. Does it make sense? No. Maybe not then. Hmm. Like, as cool as it is, and it's a fucking really cool visual when I deemed it not to be, says Ian McShane, because he is God. And then everyone stops and is like, oh, that's really cool. And then you go, hang on. So, what, are they all... And then you, you just go, it doesn't work the second you think about it. So, yeah, it's a case of, I hope there's less like that, less of that in the second one, in the third one. Yeah. Um, and it's a little bit leaner and a little bit sort of... And I feel that is... I think some a line like that would have been more suited in something like Hellboy. Yeah. Because you could have attached some sort of magic to it. In something that claims to be very grounded and very in the real world, it feels really disingenuous. I guess so. Well, it's not even so much the line. I think if he... That would be fitting for the character as well. Like he, when he oh he, the line yeah the line is fine but it's having, the stopping is yeah. that bit yeah no, it's I the stopping the night I the... deemed it not to be and the, I love he gets a little bit more character in this like there's a bit where Santiago comes in and goes I want his membership revoked he goes I demand it you I demand you demand nothing you demand nothing of me boy and it's like fucking Ian McShane man yeah love this dude like he can phone it in and still be great yeah. Uh, and that's not, and that's not me saying that he's phoning in this. He is just genuinely fucking great in this. Yeah. I think. I mean, obviously, out of the two, I prefer one. Yeah. Um, the score is very much the same. The sound yeah. is very much the same. They seem to have spent less time on the visuals. Yeah, I guess so. But I think there's certain bits that. There are some bits that are amazing. I mean, yeah, the, I, I don't know, actually. You say they, they spend less time on the visuals, but there are some amazing sequences. I think the sequence and the... Again, well, I remember as we were watching it, when he goes to Rome and it's the um, the nightclub mm-hmm. scene, like, there's so many extras going on. And then when the shootout starts up there, yeah. that's crazy. I think they do really good work in the... Um, what's it, the catacombs, because they do this really cool thing where, although it's very darkly lit and you can't really see what's going on, they ha- they make a point of having all the guys who are coming after him all have flashlights on the end of their guns. Yeah. And that is almost the entire lighting for the scene. Mm-hmm. And they use that really, really effectively. Like, when they go down, you can see yeah. them going down. and that, But you can still tell what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's impressive. Um, what, what, what I was getting at is, it, not the, oh, I think what it lost was a little... I think it's still really well put together and it is really well shot, but I think it lost a little bit of that style. Yeah, I guess so. So I, I'm going back to um, the red circle nightclub scene mm. where it's all like or yellow, uh, it's all like pink and purples and like, and then where every sort of action scene is framed in neon except for the last one. I don't know. All, yeah, all that neon stuff is it come does come back in a big way towards the end. It does, yeah. It does that, at the that end. whole neons, the well, the whole um, mirror maze, mirror maze, and there's a whole sort of when they get into the modern section of that mm-hmm. museum, is an amazing setting, and they use yeah. it to great effect. And again, like the logistics and the and the difficulty in filming with that many mirrors, 
Oh yeah. Like, fuck oh knows yeah. How they did that? Like, it's I'm, I'm amazed that like they managed to do that, and at no point, as, as far as I'm aware, I mean, I could be wrong, but I can't think of a point where anyone's pointed out. Oh, here's a bit where you can see the cameraman in the mirror. Uh, no, well, it's probably done on two-way mirrors, so I guess so. But like, yeah, I, the whole thing is just yeah. I th- I think that whole visual and like you said, there's that amazing shot where he's walking through yeah all the mirrors. Like he's like walking that. through a, for. Uh, any of you readers that haven't seen it there's a scene where john is walking through a tunnel of mirrors yeah and including the doors which are mirrored as well and you see him walking towards it and as he gets to the door the door opens and you see that he's actually much further back in the corridor yeah. and it's really jarring because then he gets right up close again then it happens and then you see him walk, walk yeah. through the door yeah and it's a really really great shot yeah i think but i feel like sometimes they actually in terms of their 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 choice of locations and things and the way they want things lit is to their detriment so like we've already talked about like the biggest issue we have with that whole sequence in the middle where he's getting attacked by all the different um yeah assassins that that again that's really everything's really well lit yeah i feel like they did it because it looks like cool and and it's interesting visual to have this like sheer white um platform of a subway station and that's where this fight takes place is it visually interesting and like Yes, it's visually interesting, but it raises so many issues. Yeah. Because it means that everyone, there's hundreds of witnesses to this murder. And so I'm like, I understand that you're trying to do some, you know, create your own visual stars and stuff, but you really should have just done it in an alleyway. Because even though that might be a bit more boring visually, and mm-hmm. it might just be drab and you might not see it, it would make more sense for the story. Yeah. So I feel like they, they hunt, they sort of hung themselves with their own rope. I can't yeah. remember the term. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Um, yeah, so, swing. I mean, there's a few swings and misses, I think. There's a few of them. Yeah. Um, but for the stuff that it does do well, it does really well, and it definitely, at no point did I go, well, I'm not going back for the third one. No, When God. it ended, I was like, yeah. I need to see the third one. Yeah. I need to see it now. I think it's it's a great film. I just don't think it's as tight as no, one. No, no, well, absolutely not. No, and no. it's it's like 20... 20 25 minutes longer yeah, as well. Yeah, I think that they like we said there are things you could quite easily cut out. I think you could just you could cut out that little section in the middle and go straight from Rome to Lawrence Fishburne mm-hmm. and it would all flow a lot better and we'd have yeah. a lot less issues with it. I think like even like because they do there are certain things where they do take their time and they make it character based. Like I was another scene that stands out to me, I guess, is the scene with um Santiago's sister. Where he confronts her, that's I think is really interesting. They actually slow everything right down mm-hmm. and let them have a conversation. She goes right, so you know, you know, let's think about the causality of this and what's led us to this moment. So basically, because my brother did you a favor, so that you could marry your wife, now I have to die. So what's okay? What was her name? Yeah, and that is really interesting. And again, it takes and then jo- she takes her own life she by saying, life. "I'm doing this my way." Exactly. That's really interesting, and that's and that's what I mean. Like that first hour of the movie I think is really really solid Mm -hmm. and if they just stuck the landing a little bit more and sort of and tightened up that uh, half an hour on the end we could have had something a lot sharper yeah Um, it just got a little bit bloated Um, and the thing like there are yeah and it's like I said it just needs if it had been tightened up a little bit more it would have been a lot better it's not it's it's sort of yeah it's not a million miles away this thing is it's sort of eight 70 80 percent of the way there yeah it's not it's just not yeah. quite there 
Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll see what they do with the next one. But I think it's sort of difficult second album syndrome, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Give the people what they want, which is more world building, but at the expense of character. Yeah. That's what happened from the start. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, John doesn't have much of an evolution of character in there. He doesn't exactly have a big arc. But at the same time, there could have been better things to do. Mm. But again, like I said, overall, it's a really good film. I really enjoy it. I just need to see the payoff now. Yeah, so that we're in a unique situation with this in particular, I think, where it's a case of we retroactively will be able to review this movie differently once we've seen the third mm-hmm. one because it very much feels like part one of a two-part story. Yeah. Whereas the first one was a self-contained, even though, like you say, they left their car out there, but... <coughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, getting back to the cars. Um, they wrecked that car, man. Most importantly of all. I was very upset the first time I saw that film. Well, that's like that's that's probably why you sort of turned against it very early on. No, <laughs> yeah, because like they just trashed a load of cars, no, and, no, you were, no. and then you just went fuck this film, and you were out. No, so basically, I found out that they there's there's a whole thing that I it, it just the, I didn't make the connection in my head. Mm-hmm. The fact that they beat up that car, yeah, and just fuck it up completely. Um. I was outraged, but then I remember that Hollywood does things, and because Hollywood does have lots of money, but they don't have stupid money, they're not going to put an actual Mustang in there. They do what's called a resto mod. Right. So, so it's actually, what you're saying is that it's a 1991 Ford Fiesta. What I'm saying is, is it's probably a 2005 Ford Mustang, (laughs) which is built on the same chassis as a lot of other common cars. Um, and then they've just put that body onto it. Yeah. And and it's made out of fiberglass or aluminium or something. Yeah. So, and then they've just ADR'd a, a real engine over the top of it. Yeah. And they do that with... Is it, isn't, you mean the motor? The engine. <laughs> um, which uh, I will, I'll fight anyone. Well, John Leguizamo can fix it. Again, there's another thread they've left open. Yeah. Well, also that and um, the fact that he said the drive shaft's broken, which clearly isn't because he drove it home. No. What are you talking about? He said the drive shaft's broken. Yeah, but Johnny, he's a man of focus, commitment, mm-hmm. and sheer fucking will. Yep. Do you know what that means? He willed that drive shaft back into existence no. for the purposes of driving it home. No. no. Otherwise, not it's... going with it. No. I'll be. I'm. I'm all right to nod along to. Bulletproof suits. <laughs> We've already established this. He's a fucking superhero. Yeah. At this point, okay? Exactly. But yeah, and that's the thing. And so that's why I don't hate this film. It's because they didn't use real cars. They used resto mods. So Great. Okay. And no, dog, nothing bad happened to the, any of the dogs. No. Not, not that they did in the first one. No. But in this why one... Do you, but why are you bringing it up? I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, the dog, why are you bringing I it love up? the dog in this movie, and I want one, but apparently they're really difficult to train and all the rest of it. Well, yeah. Uh, American Bulldog but he looks so cool and he's so he's just scared he, staff he was a good dog he is a good dog um, yeah so I mean yeah there's loads to like in this movie and I remember yeah the, the going to watch it at the cinema it was, it was, I had a great time and I just I loved the ride that it took me on and then uh, yeah well, you can start picking it apart a lot and it's easier to pick apart than the first one but it doesn't say it's not another it's a great action movie um, yeah and I think it suffers from 
saying about sequelitis, I think a lot of the time it's easier to pick apart films with bigger budgets because they feel more like low, uh, like so, like the first film would have been a bit of low hanging fruit to sort of pick at it. I guess so. Be like, oh, you know, and they haven't really got anyone in it other than Keanu, and oh, yeah, you can I mean, do this. But then I think the second, because it's got more money, and every, a lot of things have been thrown at it, it's easier to look at it because they've they've said, here's all this extra money, go and make the rest, go and make John Wick two. So it's easier to be able to pick it in there and be like, well, yeah, they did do this, but and they did do this, but and it's easier to be cleverer with a smaller budget. Yeah, it's, it's true. like a lot of directors have said that. Like when people like Brian Johnson stepped up to do episode eight from predominantly making indie films, he's like the amount of money that is different there. Yeah, and like from from a director's point of view, like you can imagine some of the things that they had to they the corners they had to cut, the things they had to do to get John Wick one the way it was. Yeah. Um to then go, right, now you have infinite money, they might, the, the temptation must be to just go, oh my God, we can do so much. Let's do this and this and this. And we, let's get, no, let's have him shoot five guys here rather than two. Yeah, the perfect example, for so, perfect sort of analogy for something like that is to look at Star Wars. Mm. So the original Star Wars film, A New Hope, is possibly the greatest example of the ba- biggest mistake to ever happen on film. Yeah, Like everything about that film just luckily happened. You know, obviously George Lucas was a visionary when it came to making this stuff, and he really stuck to his guns, mm. and he really, really went for it. And his wife was brought in to help, and she saved the movie. And this person was brought in, and he saved the movie. And this person was, and they saved the movie. And it was all of this sort of domino effect of things falling down and not working in the right way on this smallish amount of money that they were supposed to have had became this amazing thing. Mm. And then when all the money comes in later, like episode one and the prequels, it's just like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, put everything in. We've got the money. Yeah. And um, that's what that's part of the issue that I've got with it. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah. But again, like, I got, if I was in their, their position, I don't know if I would do anything different. Like the excitement of just being having that, like, that canvas yeah. and that much stuff to be able to do. Yeah. And just go, oh, shit, this is so cool. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then when you come to the end of it, you just go... Hopefully they've gone. Oh shit! Maybe bit much. Bit much. Yeah. So and maybe that's that's the lesson they've learned. Yeah. And it will all come full circle, or maybe they haven't learned a lesson and they'll throw even more shit at the walls. Well, exactly. We we'll find out next week. We'll find but, out. I mean, there's been a lot at the moment. There's some. Um, there are a few like preliminary reviews starting to come out. Okay. I'm hearing good things. Yeah. Very good things. Like some people are saying it's the best of the whole lot. Okay. Which is high praise. I'm hoping that's something that, you know, that's the case. I'm going to try not to let that temper my expectations and just go in as cold as I can, but we'll see. Um, so we're going to go see it next week and we're going to talk about it then. Uh, I think that pretty much does it for John Wick 2, doesn't it? I think we've pretty much yep. talk, talked around in circles about it. Um, but yeah, so we'll see how it all plays out next week. And I think what we'll end up being able to do is retroactively talk about the pair of them and how things pay off or don't pay off. Um but we'll do that next week and talk about John Wick 3. Um, at some point this week, we're also going to go and see Detective Pikachu. Yes. Um, which is a very weird thing to throw in the mix of all this. But yeah. who the hell in their right mind ever thought we'd be getting a live action Pokemon movie with Ryan Reynolds doing the voice of Pikachu? Not only that we get that, but that I would be excited to see it. Yeah. I'm. This is a very strange world we live in. 
is very uh, uh, yeah we'll get into this when we record the pikachu but that, yeah that's a whole other separate thing but i think it, because of the way the schedules are working out it means that we are gonna have lots of john wick talk and then a pikachu in the middle of it but i think it kind of works given 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 how random that film yeah. is i kind of like seems like a bit of fun i kind of like the way that's worked out in terms of our schedule because it is just as random as the whole idea of detective pikachu is um but anyway we'll talk about that next week we'll talk about john wick three next week and how it all fits together or doesn't um in the meantime contact us on the oncastpod at gmail.com yep um contact us on uh facebook on twitter on instagram just anywhere where you can type in anything in the search bar look for the oncast and you'll find us um and yeah and if you're listening to any of our stuff tell your friends yeah so, drop us a review oh yeah it's really really great. important um uh, we've, we've got some pretty decent um sort of ratings on itunes at the moment but the problem with those is that they're all about recency. Yeah. So we've had a couple of decent ratings on there and they s- stick there and then that's kind of it until someone does a new one and then yeah. it will, it'll so update it. So feel free you, to give us five stars. Yeah, if you have been listening and you've been enjoying stuff or this is your first podcast or John Wick series is the first time you're listening, um, then yeah, by all means, give us some feedback. Um, and yeah, we'll, um, we'll talk to you next week about some more stuff. Yep, see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. next.